An old Anglican prayer, let's pray. Father, what we know not, teach us. For what we have not, give us. For what we are not, make us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to dip between Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8 because there's a bit more detail in Mark chapter 5 on this passage. But Martin Lloyd-Jones once said to his congregation, is Christianity your religion or your lifestyle? Is it your religion or your relationship with the Lord? I remember taking an assembly at Castle Church School many years ago now and I had a cup of tea with the staff beforehand and I was sat next to this teacher and before I could say anything he said, Terry, I'm not religious. I said, funny enough, neither am I. And you've probably noticed. But, um, but I mean, he nearly fell off his chair. And then I talked to him about Christianity being this relationship, not religion, this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone said Christianity is a relationship with Jesus and a resemblance to Jesus rather than religion. Jesus didn't come to reform religion, but to end religion and replace it with himself. And in our reading this morning we see the Lord dealing first of all with the daughter of a man named Jairus and raising her to life. In the story we are not given the name of the little girl because the central figure in this passage is Jairus and his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see his reaction to Jesus and our Lord's dealing with him. But let's look at some of the things which happened before this miracle took place. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He was the president of the board of, of, of uh, elders that were responsible for the good running of the synagogue. He was responsible for the allocation of duties at the services. The ruler of the synagogue was one of the most important people in that community. He was a leader, a man with a reputation a man who wouldn't be seen dead with Jesus. One of the top religious men of his day, he had no time or need of Jesus Christ. He would regard Jesus as an outsider, a dangerous heretic. He had his own religion and that was fine. You see, it would take a great deal for Jairus to come to Jesus the son of a carpenter, a mere nobody. But he comes to Jesus with a broken, humble and contrite heart. He forgot his prejudices. He forgot his, his dignity, his pride. His little girl was seriously ill. There was a woman in Borodell when we were up there and she told me one day, she was an atheist, and then she said, my God is in cat bells. Well, cat bells is a mountain on the, on the dome water. So I thought, well, that doesn't make sense for a, for a start because she's an atheist, but she has a God in, in the mountains. And uh, 
But one day, a crisis arose in this woman's life and her religion couldn't cope with it. And we see in Jairus here, a desperate need rose in his life and his religion couldn't cope with it. I wonder, can our faith handle life and its problems, its stresses, its pressures, because Jairus' couldn't. His daughter was dying, he needed Jesus, he came to Jesus. But we read, he not only came to Jesus, he continued with Jesus. And travelled in his presence. A need arose in his, that his own religion couldn't deal with. And he came to Jesus and we read, he fell down at his feet. He recognised someone greater than himself. But how patient and kind the Lord is. He doesn't turn anyone away. Never doubt the willingness of the Lord Jesus to go with us. Augustine once said, God loves each one of us as if we were the only person on earth to love. I think that's amazing. And C.S. Lewis, he loves us not because we are lovable, but because he is love. There was a real rogue of a guy who lived on, on Highfields when we were in ministry here. And, and three weeks before he died, he, he lost his voice and he couldn't communicate with his family. But a few days before he, he died, he wrote on a piece of paper, Jesus saves. Well, one Saturday night at 10 o'clock, I was called out to a nursing home and uh, by the sister there. I went to see an elderly lady who, when I walked in through the door, said, is it too late? And I said to her, no, it's never too late. And I shared with her some of the some, a scripture and some of the promises of the Lord Jesus. We read the Psalm 23 together. And, and then we, I, I prayed with her. And all the time we were reading, she was saying, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The following day, she went into a coma and died. But I thought, how wonderful the compassion of Jesus. He longs that no one should perish. The opportunity is there to accept or to reject him, just like the thief on the cross. But for those who accept him, we are secure in his arms. The Lord doesn't exist for our convenience, though. He's not like a benevolent old doctor dealing out spiritual aspirins. He demands our worship. He demands our adoration. And Jairus fell at his feet. There was a pilot once was asked if he prayed. He said, only when I'm up there. He said, I can cope down here. But you see, he is to be worshipped. Work, service and worship are all one word in Hebrew. Jairus had a need, he was desperate. It was a race against time. But he had some confidence in the power of Jesus or he would never have come to him in the first place. He came at a risk to his position, but he had heard Jesus' reputation and his power and what he'd done for others. 
The need of mankind is great. Man needs a saviour. And with Jairus' daughter, only de- it was the death of, of, of the girl. But what about the death of the soul for all eternity? Jairus was aware, aware of the urgency of the situation. He felt death drawing near and nearer. And the time is coming when we will have to give an account of our lives. We can't postpone it just as Jairus couldn't, couldn't hold death at bay. We need to be ready for that day. We need to know that peace with, with, with God in Jesus Christ. As Roger knew. The Christian message is good news. It's the best news. I became a Christian in my teens when I accepted Christ as my saviour because I saw the change that he'd made in other people's lives within the fellowship of our church. I saw lives transformed. We used to sing the chorus, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. You see, the word of God is full of the promises of God and what God promises, he performs. This is the Christian experience as they journey together. Difficulties arise. Problems are solved on the way. But we see the willingness of Jesus to go with him. A saviour and Lord, he's not only, he not only forgives sins, he does much more. He's alive, though unseen, is always at hand. He goes with us on life's journey, enters into our life, and is there with us always. And as followers of Jesus, we don't face trials and temptations alone. He is with us each step of the way. After his request, Jairus does nothing but simply follow the Lord Jesus. And then everything comes to a standstill. Put yourself in this man's sandals. There is an emergency and we are held up in a traffic jam. Time is of the essence. I'm sure Jairus didn't know what was happening and why it was happening. It was a delay, but it was further proof of the power of Jesus. A woman touches the hem of his garment and he's healed. Notice Jairus had had 12 years with his daughter. This woman had suffered for 12 for 12 years and we read that no doctor could help her Jesus was her last resort and we see the cost of this healing we read it took something out of him and we will never provide anything great unless we are prepared to put something of ourselves of our very life into it this woman had suffered for 12 years It left her physically weak and uncomfortable. But the physical suffering was nothing compared to the religious, social and emotional aspects of her problem. According to the law, this woman was ceremonially unclean. Whoever touched her was unclean. Her husband, whether she sat on a cushion or a chair, that became unclean. Anyone she touched became unclean. She was an outcast. 
Mark 5, it says, She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. She spent all she had and wasn't helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And Luke chapter 8 says, and this is Luke being uh, uh, kind to his profession, I think. She couldn't be helped by anyone. This woman was broke, and she was broken. And this is a picture of sin. It defiles us all. It creates distance between us and God. It's often costly. Think of the things that are going on in our world today. Disregard for human life. It's a hopeless problem apart from the Lord. And try as we will, we can't extricate ourselves from its tentacles. We compare ourselves with others and we think we're not so bad after all. But when we recognise that we must compare ourselves with God in Jesus, in his holiness, we despair. We're defiled by our sin. We need to be cleansed. What can we do? We come to Jesus. If I touch his garments, I shall be well. You see, Jesus is the sufficient saviour. He is sufficient in power. Even though the power went from him, it didn't drain or exhaust his supply. He is sufficient in holiness. When this woman touched him, it should have rendered him unclean. We can come to Jesus with all our sin and lay hold of him by faith. He has saved those of the world who the world would judge the worst sinners. But he is a sympathetic saviour. He had time to stop. He spoke to her with tenderness and kindness. Daughter. He spoke to her with words of assurance and comfort. Her faith was active and she persisted in her goal. The Lord delights to respond to, to such a cry of faith. She touched Jesus by faith and was instantly healed. And we too must be cleansed or we can never spend eternity in the presence of a holy God. Only Jesus can cleanse us through his death on the cross. And we must lay hold of him by faith as she did on that day. And if we do that, we'll hear those assuring words, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But for Jairus it was a delay. Time was of essence. And the Lord doesn't insist on our understanding what's going on. But he does insist on our trusting him in any and every situation. And to follow him wherever he leads and directs in spite of what might happen on the way. I remember the Bishop of Litchfield, uh, some years ago, talking to our daughter Elizabeth before they went to Cambodia. And he had been a missionary in Africa. 
And he said, during our time in Africa, our little girl died. But Elizabeth, I wouldn't have changed anything. The Lord called us to serve those people we worked amongst. And he was there with us. And he was there for us. Jairus placed himself in the hands of Jesus and submits to be led by him along the way. He doesn't complain or grumble at the delay. He didn't understand what was happening. He must have been bewildered and heartbroken, but he says nothing. He listens to our Lord and he submits to his leadership and he's content to be led by him, come what may. We will go through some testing times in our Christian walk. At Wedgwood, when the potter makes the clay pots, he puts them into, in, into a fire to make them stronger and more beautiful. But the potter knows what he's doing. And if we're going through tough times, be assured the Lord hasn't finished with us. But we will go through it together just as he was in the furnace with those three friends in Daniel. We ask why, why is this happening to me? That was my response when my father died and my younger brothers were still at school. Sometimes we just won't understand. But he asks us only to trust him. And everything seems so too late. Why didn't you come when I called you? I wonder if this went through his mind. It all seemed a hopeless waste of time. And there's no beating about the bush with his family. As they meet him, they say, your daughter is dead. You see, they had no sympathy with Jairus going to Jesus. He cannot do anything for you. You're wasting your time. But how wrong they were. And you see, this is still the voice of the world today. Don't bother with God. Don't bother with Jesus. Don't bother with the church. They can do nothing for you. These people spoke to Jairus, but notice, it's Jesus who answers them. Once he receives us and goes with us, he takes charge of us and guides and protects and watches over us. And Mark 5, to me, is some of the most wonderful words in the, in the New Testament, verse 36. What a perfect picture of the Christian life. Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Go on believing. Even in these difficult times, trust me. You see, you had a certain amount of faith when you came to me and your faith was out. When you saw what I did for that woman, don't quit. Keep on believing. Elton Trueblood said this, Faith is not believe, belief without proof, but trust without reservation. And before Jairus had time to feel the shock of those words of his family, we see the Lord's care as he watches over this man. Believe in spite of the situation. It's not easy, is it? But he does believe. And as he watched over Jairus, he will watch over you and me and care for us.
The Christian life is not without its problems. It's not without its trials. Satan wants us to despair and to give up. Suggests our lives are hopeless to do anything with. You're not good enough. But then none of us are. You've failed. But haven't we all failed? He brings our past flooding back. But it's only the Lord Jesus that can overcome our doubts and fears. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Even though things are difficult. And his faith grew through this. When he came to Jesus, he believed that Jesus could cure his daughter. Now he believes that Jesus is the Jesus of the resurrection. In our saving faith, with God, nothing is impossible. He can make a new people. He can make a new creation and bring life out of death. The greatest miracle of all is new life in Christ. Even though we die, Yet shall we live. And so often we think of the difficulties and the problems, the weaknesses, instead of thinking in terms of his might, his power, his strength. See how he deals with us as individuals. In this story, he, 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 he puts the people outside. You see, it's a private occasion. But let's expect to see the power of God, the astonishing hand of God, as Jairus did that day. These people were overcome with amazement. When last were you and I amazed at seeing God's hand at work? He takes the little girl by the hand, little girl, get up. At once her heart beats again. Her breath returns and she gets up and walks. In spite of the delays, the hindrances on the way, they arrive and the work is completed for which they had originally set out together. And people were astonished and amazed. Look at the change, the weeping to rejoicing, death to life. And we see in, in this what Jesus can do for dead souls. Man is dead in sin in a hopeless condition and the result is eternal death. But as we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus, repent and turn away from our sins, he has promised us life in all its fullness. Eternal life. And he keeps his word. For those who trust him, only life and a future. Jesus is not only faithful in life but in death. He is with us for all eternity. What more can we need? What greater salvation can we have? He will clear our past, give us peace and joy, lead us on from here, and at the end present us to his Father in heaven. Let us believe he died and rose again for you and for me. Let us continue to follow him and to walk in his presence. Jesus has reversed the irreversible. John Donne, uh, John Donne said, said this, Death, be not proud. God will not let death win. We see a word of faith in these verses, a word of hope. 
and we see a word of love and power. You see, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen.